Good morning. It's time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and we welcome our physical congregation once again that we can bring you instruction from the Word of God. Amen. That we might understand and appreciate and appropriate what God is saying by His Holy Spirit and by the Scriptures to us today. Not just words of comfort, but counsel from Him. You know, David said, Thy word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And we need the lamp and the light today in this sin-darkened world and this very dark time that we are living through right now. Amen. Because God wants to lead us in a path of righteousness for His name's sake. You know, we bear His name and we represent His kingdom in this world. Praise God. And God wants us to be recognized as His people as we recognize Him as our God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, the message we have today is important and we have a time frame that we don't want to lose your attention. So we're going to say also to our internet audience, people who come to our website to be, to feed on the Word of God, we welcome you today. Amen. And we thank God for your hunger for righteousness. You know, that is the message of the Word of God. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be Filled. If you really want to be right with God, it is by hearing and giving heed to the Word of God. Scripture says of itself that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, God breathed, just like He breathed life into, into that clay that He had fashioned into an image uh, of man, and He breathed life into it, and the man became a living soul. You know, Jesus said, my words, amen, are spirit, and they are life. Praise God. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, God breathed, and is profitable, listen, for rebuke and for reproof and for correction and instruction in righteousness. That's why if you're hungry to be right with God, you've got to be hungry for the Word of God today. Even if it rebukes our flesh and reproves us for things that we have been doing that are displeasing to God, so that we can repent of that and be reconciled to Him in terms of our fellowship with Him and so that He can restore our soul and restore all of His blessings to our life. Praise God. That's why this message today, false repentance will not heal our land. This message today is so important because repentance has to be more than just saying, I'm sorry to God and going about our life in the same old way that we always did. In the military, repent would mean to, to about face, to turn on your heels and face the opposite direction. It would be about face. Friend of mine, if we ever needed to hear and give heed to His Word, it is in the day that we're living right now. I want to read from Hosea chapter 6. 
and verses 1 through 4. It says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for He hath torn, and He will heal us. He hath smitten, and He will bind us up. After two days He will revive us. In the third day He will raise us up. Praise God, and we shall live in His sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. You see, we got to follow through with this thing. God wants to do this, but we have to do something on our part. If we follow on to know, literally to recognize the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning. He shall come to us as the rain, the latter and the former rain unto the earth. That's the restorative power of God. And that's what happens when true repentance occurs. Amen. God hears from heaven. God heals our land. But look at verse 4. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. It goeth away. It melts away like the morning dew. God wanted to send them rain that would bring them blessing. Morning dew will not do that. It appears on just for a little while and immediately the sun comes higher and it is evaporated. Sometimes Israel and Judah seem disposed, as Matthew Henry put it, to repent under their sufferings, but their goodness vanished like an empty morning cloud as the early dew. They were as vile as ever. I'm going to stop here from reading this commentary. Remember 9-11, remember the, the towers that came down and 3,000 lives were lost. There was a small, a small increase in people to God's house to hear God's Word because we didn't know. They didn't know what may be coming next, but we realized we were vulnerable to our enemies. There was no hedge around us to keep our enemies from doing us harm. And it brought fear, but it did not bring true repentance. Not only from the world, it didn't bring true repentance in the church. Well, how do you know, Brother Venable? I know because we did not see a true revival as a result of that. You know, the Bible said we're not to just seek the Lord until He rain riches upon us, but we're to seek the Lord until He rain righteousness upon us. Praise God. Amen. We seek after that, that God needs from us that we might receive what we need from Him. And that is restoration and His blessing restored. Amen. Let me read this again. Sometimes Israel and Judah seem disposed to repent under their sufferings, but their goodness vanished like the morning cloud in the early dew, and they were as vile as ever. Therefore the Lord sent awful messages by the prophets. The word of the Lord will be death either to the sin or to the sinner. The word of God will either be the death of the sin or the sinner. God desired mercy rather than sacrifice and that knowledge of Him which produces holy fear and love. 
This exposes the folly of those who trust in outward observances to make up for their want of love to God and man. As Adam broke covenant of God in paradise, so Israel had broken his national covenant, notwithstanding all the favors they received. Judah also was ripe for divine judgments. May the Lord put His fear into our hearts and set up His kingdom within us and never leave us to ourselves nor suffer us to be overcome by temptation. Amen. Friend of mine, what a, what a statement. How does that uh, apply to us in America today as God's children? Let me say something else from another overview of the book of Hosea said structured around the five cycles of judgment and restoration, the book of Hosea makes clear its repetitious theme. Though God will bring judgment on sin, He will always bring His people back to Himself. God's love for Israel, a nation of people more interested in themselves than in God's direction for their life, shines through clearly against the darkness of of their idolatry and their injustice. There's a scripture that most of us are familiar with. It's 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. And it simply says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, God said to the Old Testament prophets, lift up your voice like a trumpet and spare not and show my people their sin and the house of Jacob their transgressions. One of the hardest messages to preach to God's people is the message of repentance. And yet we should embrace that message. You know, there's a scripture that said, if we say we have no sin, we're liars. We're not just being disingenuous. We're not just not being totally honest. We're just flat out lying. If we, can, if we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. But if we confess our sin... Amen. God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all iniquity and unrighteousness. Doesn't mean that sin reigns in us. Amen. We're not sinful, but we are certainly not sinless. And if my people, which are called by my name, we are the people who have the power and authority granted by God to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But God first requires that we be right with Him before expecting anyone else to come and get right with Him. And whatever judgment has come uh, to get us to recognize the need for this repentance personally and nationally, amen, is not to destroy us. That is not the, the, the first intent of it. It will destroy the sinner, the sinner. Listen, but it is to get us to repent so that He can forgive and restore us. Oh, what a wonderful God that we serve. What a Savior we serve. Amen. So let me put this Scripture in context. 
And let's read Second Chronicles 7, verse 12 through 14. And see if it fits where we are and what we need to do as God's people. It said, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, verse 12, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land that has just happened in South Africa, uh, something that is of, as they put it, biblical proportions, or if I send pestilence among my people, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people. You see the context and where we are and what we need to do. And if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Pestilence is a deadly disaster, isn't it? usually a disease that affects an entire community. Pestilence is contagious, virulent, and devastating. For example, the Black Plague of Europe that killed over 30% of the population during the late Middle Ages, that was a pestilence. In the Bible, pestilence is usually a sign of God's judgment on a nation or people or group. It's a, it's a corrective judgment. When David numbered Israel, a pestilence came in the land. And 70,000, I think, was the number that fell before David built an altar, sacrificed unto the Lord, repented of his sin of pride, and God turned that thing around. God healed the land. Disease travels in tandem with fear, always. While the first can lead to the death of thousands, the second can unravel the social fabric, disrupting the precarious balance of relationships essential for the stability of nations. I want to read this, this, this translation of disease again. Disease travels in tandem with fear. While the first can lead to the death of thousands, we are way past 100,000, projected 200,000 without God's intervention. They are feverishly working for a, a cure for this thing. And the real cure, the lasting cure, the cure that can be absolutely counted on, amen, is when God intervenes and God turns this thing around. But it takes personal repentance for the believer and it takes national repentance if people will see and understand that God is trying to get our attention so He can restore us, hallelujah, rather than see us self-destruct. Oh, friend of mine, we need this message of repentance in the church and that we might pray effectively that there will be the repentance of sin and the coming to Christ in the world. Hallelujah. One translation said, 
of this false repentance in Hosea. Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. You see, God looks past the pretense and reveals the shallowness of their hearts. Hosea 7.10 says, And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face that they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek Him for all of this, for all of the judgments that He sent to get their attention so He could forgive them and restore them. The pride of Israel testifies to His face in the 10th verse of Hosea 7. They do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek Him for all of this. Let me say something to you today. Noah's message from the steps of the ark was not something good is going to happen to you. Amos was not confronted by the high priest of Israel for proclaiming confession will bring you possession. Jeremiah was not put into the pit for reading, I'm okay, preaching, I'm okay, you're okay. John the Baptist was not beheaded for preaching, smile, God loves you. The two prophets of the tribulation will not be killed for preaching God is in His heaven and all is right with the world. Daniel was not put into the lion's den for preaching possibility thinking will move mountains. Their trouble resulted from one simple message. Repent. And I understand the aversion of the world to this message. But what is hard to grasp is that God's own people would push that message away and not embrace it. I don't know how repentance got such a bad spin on it, but anything that gets me right with God so He can restore His blessing and keep me from the enemy, friend of mine, I grab a hold of that with both hands and hang on with all that I have. Look at the first evidence of their shallowness here in Hosea. Their concern was for healing and not for cleansing. They saw their nation in difficulty and wanted God to make things right. Does that ring true to to the church world today? But they did not come with broken hearts and surrendered wills. They wanted happiness without holiness. A change of circumstances and not a change of character. You see, repentance does not mean remorse. Godly sorrow is a, is a, is a, is a re- prerequisite for repentance, but it is not the same thing. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. Repentance means giving up our sin. Repentance means if it's to be of any avail, it must work a change of heart and conduct. Repentance without amendment is like continually pumping without mending the leak. Repentance is the golden key that opens the palace of eternity. Praise God. All true repentance includes a deep desire for cleansing. God's first reaction to the repentant heart is not just to forgive it, but to cleanse it. Hallelujah. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all iniquity. You see, they saw their nation in difficulty and wanted God to make things right, but they did not come with broken hearts. 
nor surrendered wills. Again, they wanted happiness without holiness, a change of circumstances without a change of character. Many people, when trouble comes, treat God like a celestial lifeguard who should rescue them from danger, but not deliver them from their sins. Now, friend of mine, the lack of repentance equates to this. It's saying we have no sin. We're standing in the presence of the God who knows the deepest recesses of our heart and soul. And we're saying there's not a sin of commission and not a sin of omission. I have nothing to repent of. There is no message of repentance applies to me. It applies to the world, but not to me. I can continue everything just like it is and have you to come through every time I need deliverance, every time I can pray for America to just be blessed again without obeying what is said in context of the Scripture. It's so easy to intercede for America and not pray a personal prayer of repentance and then pray that there will be repentance in this nation. Repentance in this nation. We've got such a shallow view of what Christianity really, really is now. It's hard to define what is presented forth as the Christian faith today in light of what the Bible says that the Christian faith is really all about. I believe until the church repents, we can't pray effectively for our land. We can't be a witness. We can't be the light. And we cannot be the salt of the earth. And yet God stands ready when we are ready to truly repent of our sin and get right with Him. You know what he said in Isaiah, Hosea 14.4? If repentance had occurred, and, and if and when it does occur, he said, and I'm going to read this from a paraphrase because I, I like this part of this. You can read it from any translation. It's going to come out the same. Then I will cure you of your idolatry and faithlessness. And my love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. Oh, friend, my love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. When we repent of our sin, God forgives our sin, and He begins to express His love for us. We return to God, He reciprocates. He returns to us. And He returns to us with healing in His wings. Praise God. To the church that absolutely made Him sick. The church of Laodicea. I know your works, He said. You're not cold or hot. You're lukewarm. And He says, you know, I'll spew you out of my mouth. It means to throw up. It means something that makes you so sick you regurgitate. And yet he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Repent. (laughs) Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And then he talks about the blessings that will be restored 
Not, not the material stuff that they had gained and assumed it was from Him. Because they said, I'm rich. And I'm increased with goods. And I don't need anything. And Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Isn't it amazing that Jesus is locked out of a church that feigned love for Him? And that they were not welcoming Him. And you know why He wasn't welcome? Because He was coming with a message. And guess what the message was? It was to repent of their sin. And because they assumed that their prosperity was all from God and therefore all was well with God, they did not welcome Him or the message He was going to bring. And they wouldn't welcome the message from John and they wouldn't welcome the message from anybody who dares to stand up and cry aloud. You know, the Old Testament prophet was charged by God to cry aloud and spare not, to lift up his voice as a trumpet, to give a clarion call. Trumpets were used to direct Israel, amen, to go to war and, or to retreat or to go out and, and be aggressive and attack. And trumpets, there was a feast of trumpets. When Jesus comes, the trump of God is going to sound, hallelujah, to call us up from this earth to go to heaven with Him. Praise God. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible said that when the, when the preacher preaches and when the prophet prophesies, he's to lift up his voice as a trumpet. We're to give clear, clarion calls from God. And the clear, clarion call from God is to truly repent. Because he said, the day you do it, I'm going to hear from heaven. And though there be a pestilence, part of the, the judgment on the land is pestilence that he allows to get our attention so he can cleanse us and so that he can heal us and so that he can help us and keep us safe again. Praise God. You want to make America great again. It's going to take more than politics. It's going to take more than being in a blue state or a red state. It's going to have to be in a state of righteousness with God. And I don't know what color you put on that, but I'm going to, I'm going to call it a white state. For white raiment is the righteousness of the saints. Praise God. Friend of mine, I want you to know we're living in the beginning of sorrows. Many scholars of Scripture see the pale horse and the rider on it that's bringing death through war and through all famine. But one of the outworkings of what we're going through right now is nations that were teetering on famine are going to go into one of the worst famines of the century because of all of the logistics to get aid and help to them through the disarray that we're going through right now, is, has been broken down. And tens of thousands of people are going to die because of famine in a lot of the third world countries because of what is happening globally and in America right here and right now. Oh, friend of mine, Hosea 14.4, God is promising, then I will cure you. When repentance truly occurs and it's not feigned and it's not put on and we quit just practicing a, 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 a feigned religion but we start truly following Jesus again. 
then I'll cure you of idolatry and faithlessness, and my love will know no bounds, for my anger will be forever gone. Praise God. What a gracious God, and what an offer from Him. So he tells Laodicea, You say I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. Third chapter, the book of Revelation, the last of the seven churches that lay in a semicircle in, the, in Asia. I know thy works. Thou art not hot. Thou art not cold. I stand in at the door. I'm knocking. If you open the door, I will come in. Sup with you and you with me. Thou sayest I'm rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing. Does that ring? Does that resonate to the message that has captured so many hearts and minds today? That following God is just going to make you rich. I'm talking about not your needs met, not living well. I'm talking about opulence. I'm talking about multimillionaire opulence. Amen. That message has gripped and grasped so many people until the temporal and the material has taken away from the spiritual and the eternal. Oh, friend of mine, I do not believe in poverty. I'm young. I'm now old. <laughs> I have to hate to admit it, but it's true. Amen. But I've ne- David said it, didn't he? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That's why getting right with God is so wonderful and powerful and, and so such, brings such blessing. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And if you want to read that in context and how it connotates the uncompromisingly righteous, hallelujah, praise God, nor his seed out begging for bread. Amen. God will send the ravens if he has to. God will multiply the meal barrel. God will bring water out of a rock and rain manna out of heaven. Whatever it takes to keep his promise, he'll keep it. But he needs us to be truly right with Him. Oh, friend of mine, I want to qualify to intercede for this nation. I want to qualify to intercede for myself and my own family. I need to be in that position. You know, the Scripture said it was a given in the New Testament, for we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth His will, him he heareth. Jesus said it, didn't He? (laughs) In the volume of the book, I came, it is written, I came to do Thy will, O God. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And He also was able to say, Father, I know that You always hear me. The only time God didn't hear him in the sense of of responding to him is when he took our place on the cross and he that knew no sin became treated as a sinner that our sins might be forgiven today dear friend if you don't know Jesus as your savior amen don't run from him don't run from him where are you going to run Who are you going to look to in all the chaos and crisis and confusion? Oh, my dear Lord, I can't imagine living in this fallen world, in this faulty body, with a foe that is set on my destruction, the devil. I can't imagine living without 
knowing that I'm under the shelter of my Heavenly Father's wings of love. Oh, friend, run to Him. Repent of your sin. Turn around and run to Him. And say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I receive You right now as my Lord and Savior. Change me from the inside out and seal me with the Holy Spirit until You come. And until You come, keep me from the evil one and keep me safe and give me shelter like no one or nothing else can. And Christian, today, this is no time for false repentance. This is a time to be in earnest. This is a time to return. You know what you need to do. I don't have to enumerate any of this. It's time to do it. It's time to draw near to God. Because He says the day that you do, I'll cure you of your idolatry and your unfaithfulness. And my love, I'll lavish on you. My love will know no bounds. And I'll not only forgive your sin, I will forget it ever happened and bless you and keep you till Christ comes. Oh, let's run to God too today. Amen. Amen. I need the blessing. I need the security. I need the rest in Him that only He can grant. In Jesus' name.